Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella's Saturday Sports Talk. Off to an early start on this busy Saturday. Illini Game Day comes your way at 9 o'clock. Lauren and I will take you through that until game time this morning. Illinois and the Michigan State Spartans at 11 o'clock from the Breslin Center in East Lansing, Michigan. Both teams kind of uh, reeling a little bit, if you will. Michigan State has lost three out of four, and the Illini coming off that uh, embarrassing loss to uh, Rutgers, although it was embarrassing on one hand, but uh, anybody that's been watching Rutgers lately probably weren't surprised about oh, yeah, uh, how I, they play, especially at home. I really question, and I, I question on the air, uh, Steve, the idea of, of uh, Illinois being a four- or five-point favorite there. I thought that game was at, which, by the way, the Michigan State game, uh, when I checked it yesterday, is a dead toss-up. They're not giving any points on it. But uh, I don't know what it is today. Maybe it's changed, but it's basically a toss-up game. And I thought that uh, Illinois, Illinois minus two. Okay, so we picked up two points. There. Illinois' favorite. That's a that's a lot of people betting on Illinois, isn't it? It is. Well, yesterday it was even. Illinois lost four straight there at the uh-huh. Breslin Center. So. Yeah. Factor well, that in if you're going to do anything. Well, my point was, is that they they overrated Illinois against Rutgers. Rutgers yeah. had already proven itself. And has, excuse the expression, better players at multiple positions than Illinois. And that's just a fact. I mean, I'm not talking about the center position where, where we got neutralized there. But uh, they, they, they're getting really good play out of that sophomore from Nigeria, if I could pronounce his name. Omiuri, Om, Om, whatever it is. And uh, I... I I just think that uh, there's a reason why Rutgers is winning, and it's because they got really good talent. You know, one thing I noticed in watching him play against Kofi and and knowing Kofi as we do, Omare is one of those guys that that the NBA is looking for. He's he's long. He can run. He can block shots. He can step out and shoot a little bit. And yeah, that's the step out and shoot. Yeah. Let's see how that works out. I mean, right. he he did that against Illinois a couple of times, but he's not. He doesn't have great range. I mean, 15 feet maybe uh, is what my guess is. But the point is that, that Illinois has got a. Uh, the, the Illinois is is built around the idea that if that if if they're going to double team Kofi, that, that we got to make threes, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. no point in shooting twos. You got to make the the three point shot is too valuable to to try to get any closer if you're open. And there was a time when uh, Grandison and and Plummer. And, and Fraser were shooting the, the ball at a really good rate. But if you look back now, I look back at uh, 
just recently, uh, the, the loss to Maryland after the loss to Purdue, Illinois shot 31%. Then they shot 31% again against Michigan State in the win, which was a narrow win. Then they shot 27.8% against Northwestern. Wisconsin, they shot 31%. My point is they've been mediocre in shooting the threes for a while now. And this was a team that for the first month and a half of the season – was among the national leaders in three-point shooting. So we know the, the ability is there. But in the last game against Northwestern, they shot 34%. And, and the Rutgers game, they're 6 out of 23, which isn't good enough. I mean, it just isn't good enough. That was after an 0 for what, 13 start? 0 for 13 start, yeah. yeah. Which means they hit 6 of the last 10, doesn't it? <laughs> so it does go in streaks. And... Uh, we just uh, which kind of a streak are we going to catch today against Michigan State? They're not an easy team to shoot threes on, and the thing that they do have with Bingham is one is a guy that can, if not a hundred percent, he can he can defend Kofi better than most. I'm sure they'll double team. Don't misunderstand me, but he's he's a big strong guy, and he's he's often overlooked on this team. He I think he holds his own against most centers in the Big Ten. Illinois has that one-point win over Michigan State uh, last month that uh, they jumped ahead early and then barely hung on late. Yeah, to that get was that without that, Kofi. And without without Kofi and Corbello, yeah. yeah. Both those guys obviously will play today. Whether or not you'll see any lineup and or rotation um, changes today, we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, Brad wouldn't commit to that yesterday. Well, he's anxious he said to, maybe, but... He's anxious to give Melendez a shot. I think so. But uh, the problem was that... Uh, Harper burned him twice in a row yeah. when he came in early in that game, and and uh, and he, as uh, in Underwood's words, I just couldn't play him. And then, of course, later in the game, when the game was out of hand, he put him back in, and and, and Melendez finished very strong offensively. We've got the phone lines open two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Text line is open as well if you'd like to join us on this early edition. We're with you until nine, and back with you again at nine. For a Fighting Illini game day, Scott Beatty is with the Illinois baseball team that opened its season last night. They got off to a bad start, Steve. Uh, they were lost. leading two to one in what the eighth. Yeah, they they gave up a bases loaded walk, which is never good, and lost four to two. Ultimately, they gave up another run in the ninth uh, to uh, to lose four to two, and and uh, it's just a tough start. Playing Kansas down in Corpus Christi, Texas. They'll play again this afternoon at two o'clock. You know, Illinois they, and Kansas. the problem, the concerns with me, with the baseball team, is the relief pitching. And last night, the relief pitching failed. And uh, that's going to be a concern, I think, all season. I, I, don't, I just don't know if they have the depth in pitching that, that's needed. I did notice that uh, when, when the coaches were uh, sent out their uh, report on, on, the, on the favored teams in the Big Ten, they listed six teams, and Illinois was not listed among the six Right. Top teams in the Big Ten. The Illinois doesn't, softball doesn't mean anything. I mean, they can certainly change that. Sure, softball team lost a couple of ball games down in Arkansas, eight to three decision to Wichita State, and then uh, last night a six to three loss to Arkansas. So uh, Tyra Perry's team is four and three now. Yeah, both ranked teams, I believe, Steve. Yep. And Illinois was ranked twenty fifth going in, so they they'll fall out of the rankings now, I guess. There was one Big Ten basketball game last night. Maryland beat Nebraska 90-74. to Today it's number 12 Illinois and number 19 Michigan State at 11. Iowa plays at number 18 Ohio State at 130. Northwestern is at Minnesota at 3. Two more games tomorrow. Michigan at number 15 Wisconsin at noon. Rutgers 
at number five Purdue tomorrow at four thirty. So a busy weekend as the Big Ten race is shaping up. Yeah, and a lot of uh, you know I don't know how this will affect uh, Illinois' ranking in terms of staying in the top twenty-five, but there's a there's a lot of games today. Uh, Tennessee's at Arkansas. You got uh, Kentucky's playing uh, number twenty-five Alabama at, at Alabama. Baylor versus TCU, Kansas versus West Virginia, Arizona is playing, Auburn's playing. I mean, all these teams have got games, and we'll see how it falls. I just hope Illinois can stay in that top 25 because it just gives them uh, a recognition. But you got to win games to do it, and they need to win this one. If they win this one, I think uh, they would stay, no doubt. Um, would you have taken a split between at Rutgers and at Michigan yes, State? Yes, I would. Yeah, I would too. And you still got that Michigan road game after this one pending, and then – before that, Ohio State here next Thursday. You're going to guard Liddell? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe they'll get stuck in the snow because they're talking about another Thursday weather event, well, which has become uh, regular here lately. That'll be a DeMonte Williams uh, assignment. That'll be a tough one for yeah. whoever it is. Ohio State is kind of just hanging around, sneaking in oh, there. Oh, yeah. There are yeah. a couple of games down. Are they going to get those games made up? I don't know. They've got, I, I don't know their schedule. Right. Uh, they, they have to, they've got two games behind. Illinois only plays the Buckeyes one time, and that's coming up next Thursday, the 25th. By the way, that's the orange out. Another bad day. Another snowy day, Steve. Possible, yeah. That's my, my man, Steve Kelly, with 42 consecutive months of playing golf, and you haven't got one in this month. You're correct. <laughs> and when are you going to do it? I don't know. Last year, it went down to the last two days of February, and I <laughs> finally got two rounds in. It's got to be next week, obviously. There's only a week left. But uh, Now, do you, is this a requirement of 18 holes, or do you count it if you play nine? Well, that's you know that, that's for the uh, judges to, to rule on. But, uh, <laughs> I would count it if it was just nine. I would, too. Because I walk it, and, you know, so you're out there for a couple of hours. But uh, the, the temperatures are going to be okay. Yeah, it's going to be in the 50s. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, but this last uh, batch of four to five inches of snow may not help. should eliminate Thursdays from the from the schedule. No here, kidding. Right? Every, every Thursday is just a, whew. That uh, game uh, this coming Thursday against Ohio State is the orange out night, so wear your orange on that, and if you need to find a spot to go get that, game day spirit is your headquarters there. And by the way, coming up uh, starting next week, we've got a game day spirit contest that we'll tell you about, and you Get a chance uh, weekly to win a prize valued at at least $50. And next week's uh, prize that we'll give away here on the show on Saturday morning is a $50 gift card from Game Day Spirit. We'll tell you more about that as the week goes along. A new feature coming up with chances to win here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. Uh, Do you watch the... Um, NBA Rising Stars last I night. I did not watch it. Uh, I did not. Uh, shame on me, but I know. I saw some was, of it. How, I, I heard he did okay. He did okay. I, he he kind of jammed his thumb trying to make a block on a uh, breakaway dunk. He was kind of favoring his thumb a little bit. But yeah, he had a he had a couple of baskets. There was absolutely no semblance of defense played mm-hmm. in that. <laughs> it was actually. Kind of semi-entertaining because they 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 weren't guarding anybody. Yeah. But uh, talk about some athletes, man. You, you you think of somebody playing at that next level, and there were guys that I'd never heard of, who were just tremendous. Yeah. That's uh, that. first and second year guys played in the in the Rising Stars. Yeah. Game. Kate uh, Cunningham MVP, huh? Uh huh. Yep. They played uh, games to fifty. They were short games, and uh, so you had four teams. 
So it was entertaining, at least. I didn't watch start to finish, but uh, the um, IHSA wrestlers are back at the uh, State Farm Center for day number three. A lot of cars in the parking lot over there. Uh, the last couple of ball games and or last couple of days. Uh, shout outs to Colin Likas and Anthony Zillis. They've been all over that state wrestling tournament. Pick up the News Gazette this morning and you can get all the latest information there. All the high school uh, action last night too in basketball as we kind of wind up the uh, regular season for the boys. The girls are already into the postseason. So a lot going on. Coming up on our uh, show today, Jack Ebling, who has covered... Michigan State for almost as long as Lauren has co- mm-hmm. covered uh, Illinois will join us here in just a couple of minutes. Jeremy Werner, who will be uh, working the ball game up at Michigan State as well for Illini Inquirer, will join us at 8.30. And then 9 o'clock, we're back with Illini Game Day. We've got a host of uh, things scheduled for that. So stay with us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're back with more after this. And welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly. Lauren Tate with you until 8 o'clock. Back with you at 9 for Fighting Illini Game Day. We're going to talk more about the ball game in just a moment. Let's take a quick call. Mark in uh, Jacksonville, Florida has been hanging on during the break. What's on your mind, Mark? Hi. Uh, I just wanted to disagree a little bit with uh, what Lauren had to say there in the opening about, you know, with throwing it in to Kofi or, you know, these guys got to be hot from three. I think that when we were playing really well, uh, Plummer and Frazier were scoring much more at the rim. And that was opening up things for guys like Grandis. And, uh, so I think that is the major problem. We're not taking it to the rim. Well, I, I, I think you're right, they did. Uh, I think that the, the thing that you learn about that is that it was always from the left-hand side. They are left-handed, and I think most teams have figured out how to guard them. I mean, I don't know what else to say because it isn't happening now. And uh, I do know that they are very left-handed. Both of them. Yeah, I agree with that, Lauren. But they, they've got to at least attack them. They get fouled, you know, get to the free throw line. There are other ways, kind of, you know, as you know, I'm not telling you anything, but uh, just, you know, to get some points out of those guys rather than, hey, let's sell for a three. Well, I'm, I'm all for it. I, uh, again, uh, I, you know, I, I just think that the, the offense – without Curbelo, is completely geared to working the ball into Kofi and letting him either pass it back out or try to score himself. I mean, they're trying to set – the reason they pass the ball around the outside is to try to get an angle to get the ball into Kofi. That's that's the offense, isn't it? I mean, that's that's the intention. And then, uh, yeah. when, and, and then he's got to make a decision when he catches it whether he can uh, make a move on the basket or whether he needs to get it back out when they start to double team. Everybody's double teaming him because they because the Illini aren't hitting, and they'll continue as as long as the Illini are are shooting thirty uh, percent or below. I mean that's a that's a good defense. Yeah. Right. Well, one of the two that have to change today or end up with an L today. So that's I for sure. One of the two either they get the shots or get to the basket. Yeah. Okay, Mark. Appreciate the call. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. It was not breaking news that somebody disagreed with you, was it? That was just just the <laughs> uh, first one of the day. Well, there'd be many. I I just I I think the other consideration is that when they when uh, smaller players drive, you see it all the time on both sides that they often uh, decline the opportunity to shoot uh, because of fear out of in the shot block. And there you've got a seven footer in Bingham today who's going to be guarding the rim, and he's pretty good. He can jump. I would say he can probably out-jump Kofi 
if you're just going to just pure jump. But uh, both of them are seven feet tall, and Kofi's got the weight and the strength, and he can score on him. But uh, this guy is, is a factor in there, and he, he really makes it hard to get a layup. Let's bring in Jack Ebling from The Drive in East Lansing on the Spotlight Radio Network. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? We're hanging in there, getting an early start today, but that's fun. A big ball game and two teams kind of uh, both in search of the same thing, trying to break out of a little bit of a funk. Uh, the Spartans have lost three out of four, and uh, and uh, apparently Coach Izzo is like Coach Underwood and uh, not real happy with the, his <laughs> team's toughness right now. Hey, I had a follow-up to your question from Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering, and uh, again, I haven't watched every minute of every Illinois game, but this driving to the basket from the smaller players that he was referring to, was some of that when Kofi was out? Well, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think Because when he's in, uh, there's a lot of congestion. It makes it harder to get to the basket. Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. As, as you know, Kofi did not play in that Michigan State game here last month. But he, he's been right. in most of the games. And some of the games, back there when, uh, when uh, Frazier in particular was having some good offensive games, Kofi was in the, in the lineup and Frazier was just playing well. Okay. I mean, he was, there was, he's had streaks where he looks like an, well, I, I'm stretching a little bit, but he looks like an all-Big Ten player at times. And yeah. then other yeah. times he kind of is neutralized. And uh, right. m- more recently, he's been fairly well neutralized, although he broke out a little bit in the Rutgers game. But uh, what, well, what, what, what do you expect? today against Michigan State. I- I'm sorry, Jack? I say he might be invigorated today. <laughs> well, he'll be invigorated, and, and I think Izzo will probably have an idea on how to stop him. How, how do you see uh, Izzo playing the defense today? Well, Tom does not like to double-team. Uh, Philosophically, he would rather give up a two than a three. But uh, if Illinois is shooting as poorly today as it has uh, in some recent games, uh, it seems like a pretty appealing option. And a lot of it depends on uh, who's in the game for Michigan State. You talk about Marcus Bingham, but uh, he doesn't play more than 25 minutes. I doubt Mm -hmm. he'll play that much. Mm Mm-hmm. So you're going to have some Julius Marble, who was uh, terrific the other day, but, again, smaller. Uh, you're going to have some uh, Matty Sizoko. Illinois fans remember him from um, Iowa Sumo's nose. Yep. And uh, you, know, you might even have little Joey Hauser in there uh, with some help trying to stretch uh, the Illinois defense, take Kofi away from the basket, and I would guess, certainly I would, Try to make him work very hard on the offense, on the defensive end and get foul trouble. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I think Michigan State will do. Yeah, I think that's that's everybody's plan is to get Kofi in foul trouble. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, in yeah. any but you know Kofi won't probably play. Steve, what do you think? Maybe thirty minutes. I mean, maybe tops. no more than that. Yeah, yeah, that would be top. Yeah. So so yeah. I would look for Izzo to substitute correspondingly to uh, you yeah. know to, to keep Bingham on him as much as he can. Although yeah. he's got other guys who can foul and and not and it doesn't matter. Whereas if Kofi fouls, it matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it'll be a little chess match there, and I know that Tom has tremendous respect for Brad Underwood. So uh, it's not like he's going up against someone who can't coach. But he's beaten six hundred and sixty-one Big Ten 
coaches, not not that many coaches, but that <laughs> many games. So he's seen just about everything you could see. How does he stand with the night, by the way, on that? He's one behind. This what? is the game. Okay. He could tie the Big Ten record of 662. And I think Lou is fourth on that list. Um, Gene Cady has 512. So it's 662, 661, 512, and then it's Lou and Painter are four and five. Talking to Jack Ebling, we had Jack on uh, a month ago, roughly, in January. And uh, before you, we uh, let you go, you ask us a question about, uh, that was about the halfway point of the Big Ten. You ask uh, who we thought the favorite was, and we both said Purdue. And and giving credit where credit is due, you said watch out for Rutgers. <laughs> you had a had a uh, plan to see them get to 10-2 and two, uh, uh, by the time uh, that time got around. They're 10-5, and five, so they didn't get to 10-2, and two, but... Uh, is there anybody in the Big Ten playing better than them right now? No, there is not. And I think Steve Peichel has uh, passed Greg Gard on my list as coach of the year in the conference, but but uh, it's a very different team. Uh, Ron Harper can't go. And uh, if he's in the lineup, I think you've seen, hey, uh, not just what happened against Illinois and uh, beating Michigan State by 21, but also a first ever win in Madison for Rutgers and that great comeback uh, down eight scoring the last 10 points to beat Ohio State and remember they they also beat Purdue back in December so yeah. uh, there's nobody that they have shown they can't beat well, how do you see the Big Ten stacking up this year and by the way you've been to more final fours than any than we have certainly what's uh, uh, I think uh, Izzo's been what six or eight final fours what what is the number he's been to eight Eight, He's yeah. been to eight. He's been to three more than Shashevsky in the past 25 years. Isn't that something? And yeah, he's been to eight. Well, I, this will be my 18th. 18th uh, Final Four that you're attending? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, how, how do you see uh, the Big Ten stacking up? Do we stack up? Uh, or is this going to be another year where we're just maybe not get anybody in the Final Four? Well, I think that uh, the chances are better than they were last year with that colossal flameout. I think Purdue is going to be very difficult for teams who haven't seen them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Illinois has the capability. You know, you've seen what Illinois can do when the the guys are hitting from outside and uh, they don't have to be shooting 50% out there. But you know, if they're shooting close to 40, I think that's a difficult matchup. But one thing that would uh, I would have a concern with Illinois is the way the game is officiated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I could see uh, some of the calls that are made. Uh, they take one look at Kofi, and he's got two fouls when they throw up the jump ball. So, yeah, uh, yeah I could see that, that being a problem. But there are a lot of teams that are good enough to get hot. Uh, you know, if Rutgers can beat four straight top 20 teams, uh, they can get out for a week or two. Uh, you look at, uh, you know, even even a Michigan, which I think is a flawed team in many ways, beat Purdue by 24. I think Ohio State with uh, your man E.J. Liddell is a team that could catch fire in the tournament. Yeah, they're getting some play out of other people, too. They're starting to, they're starting to develop sure, that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. The team that makes it to the Final Four, Lauren, as you know, isn't always the best team. It's a team that's playing the best in two weeks. Yep. 
Jack, what is Tom Izzo most concerned about right now with his team? Is there anything he's happy about? I know uh, dropping three out of four is not ideal, but is there one area there that you think he's focusing on today? Yeah, he's focusing on a lot of areas, unfortunately for him. But uh, I think the turnovers have been more than a season-long problem. And it, it gets to the point where if they can commit 14 or 15 turnovers, they go, so, got by that. So it seems like a lot, but they're kind of used to being in the teens. The thing that concerns them the most is rebounding. And that sounds so strange because for a decade, Michigan State was in the top five in the nation, often number one in rebounding. But this team has not done that. And a lot of it, it talk about, well, who's your big? It isn't that. It's the rebounds from the wings. Michigan State got a ton of guard rebounds for many years. That hasn't happened. And when they don't rebound, they don't run. And when they don't run, they don't score. I got a text here that is more of a football question, but uh, we've got, yeah. um, between the you two guys, we've got a lot of brain power going on. Oh, boy. Here. So uh, <laughs> the texter says, had Michigan State won the football game at Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State would have tied for the Big Ten championship. Who would have gone to the Big Ten championship game? They would have tied for the well, East. I think you would have had a, each one would have been one and one against the other. Right. And then you get into a convoluted set of tiebreakers, and it would have come down to, I want to say, tiebreaker four which was uh, the records of your cross-divisional opponents. Isn't that weird? <laughs> so who played the best and across the division? And it would down to the last weekend with all of those teams watching to see, you know, how did Minnesota do? <laughs> you know, what happened uh, with, I guess, Minnesota uh, beat Wisconsin? And uh, what happens with Iowa and Nebraska? That's what it would have come down to. Need to hire a, an accounting firm to come up with all that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another football note: It looks like the the playoff college football playoffs going to stay at four teams at least for maybe four more years. You guys' thoughts on that? I thought Jim Born Phillips had a lot to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> and the the ACC yeah. just didn't want to do it, did they? Yeah, and I I go back and forth on what the impact is for the Big Ten. I would think that uh, let's just pick a number. Let's say twelve you would have an awful lot of Big Ten teams between 5 and 12. And uh, this year, yeah. uh, you would have had Ohio State and Michigan State would have been in. A lot of years, Penn State or Iowa or Wisconsin, uh, you know, whoever it would be, I would think the Big Ten would be in good position to get three of the 12. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a blow to the Big Ten. I think they were counting on that at one time, at least a couple yeah, of months Kevin ago. Warren voted against it. Yeah. Well... I, I don't I don't quite understand what happened. Jim there. Phillips and uh, Bowles, uh, uh, no, uh, the Pac-12 voted against it, right? Three conferences voted against it. It was eight to three vote. It's my it's my understanding that the the Pac-12 wanted it. Am, am I wrong yeah. in that? I thought I, I thought that's what the uh, commissioner uh, said, but I may have that wrong. I don't know. No, but I it, think it was the co- the coalition or the uh, the alliance of those three conferences. The banded together and okay. all three finally cast votes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jack, thanks for being on with us this morning. you got a busy day. Um, um, who are you picking <laughs> today? Give us a choice. Is Michigan State going to pull us out? You know what's funny is uh, 
the people who watch a team every day see all the warts. Yep. And uh, people here think Illinois is a lot better team than your listeners probably do. Mm-hmm. And the people who watch Michigan State here right now think that, you know, they couldn't win an inter-squad game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So most of the most of the discussion here right now, believe it or not, it'll change when, when it gets to tournament time. It always does here. But uh, you mentioned Illinois, and people want to talk about Daniel Barker. Right. Transferring from Illinois to Michigan State. Yeah. He's a good yeah. one. You'll like him. It's, he can catch the ball yeah. and run when he catches it. Well, uh, that'll be just fine with Peyton Thorne. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's a big disappointment to me personally. I, I thought that he was a key to the team, one of the keys to the team next year. But he was just unhappy. They were, they didn't get him the ball this year enough, and he's going to go someplace where he thinks they will, I guess. A new offensive coordinator for Illinois too, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Lenny. How's that going to work out? Well, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. He, he did pretty good for uh, San Antonio. Yeah, they've they've yeah. scheduled a spring game for April twenty first. That'll probably be our first, maybe minor indication. That you don't learn much in spring games, but at least we'll get maybe an idea of what it might look like, uh, given uh, the personnel that he has in the spring. Jack, appreciate your time All right. for sure. All right, guys, anytime. You talk to you soon, Jack Ebling, up in East Lansing, Michigan, at eight thirty one. We'll take a break and be back with more with Lionel Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. Stay with us. It is 8.34. The Lanai Fellows Saturday Sports Talk. Lauren Tate, Steve Kelly with you as we kick off our game day coverage here on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM. We've got uh, Lanai game day coming up at 9 o'clock. Network pregame at 10. And the basketball game, Illinois-Michigan State and East Lansing at 11. Happy to welcome our friend Jeremy Werner to the program, back to the program, Illini Inquirer. Jeremy, good morning. You're a traveling man these days, aren't you? <laughs> try to be. Try to be. Uh, yeah, we uh, actually made got between the snows here. East Lansing got dumped on uh, two nights ago, then they got dumped on last night, but we, we made the trip beforehand, so we're all good to go on a sunny Saturday morning here. You got out midweek, uh, did you not, and saw some high school hoops and uh, got a pretty close-up look at uh, Ty Rogers. Yeah, I was nervous about, you know, missing uh, covering the Rutgers game, but uh ends up I didn't miss much. So I ended up going to see uh, Ty Rogers, the Illinois uh, signee. And uh, I, I got to say, I, I couldn't be more impressed with Ty. He's he's not going to be a guy who comes in and, and you know, scores 20 points a game right away. He's, his jumper uh, is not his strength. Um, but uh, every other way, uh, he's going to impact a basketball game. He's just a winning type player. He's playing with 100% effort, which is not always the case. With, with top 100 guys right in the high school season. Uh, he, he really cares about defense and, and making his teammates better. Sometimes uh, he's unselfish to a fault. Like his team needed him to take over at certain moments, and he tried to pass to an open teammate, and it wouldn't work out. But uh, he's got a great handle for a guy who's 6'6", 200 pounds, great athleticism, can finish around the rim easily, uh, and he's just a, a dog on defense. He really shut down Davis Lowry, who's a, a top one. There's going to probably be a, a three- or four-star prospect in the class of 2023, and he's 6'7", uh, you know, 200 pounds, and they switched on to Day-Day Ames, who's a top 60-point guard in the class of 2023 and really bothered him. So uh, his versatility defensively, his tenacity, it's, a, it's exactly what Brad Underwood wants, and you can give him a lot more uh, length, athleticism at, at that four and three position, that's for sure. Does Ty Rogers remind you of anybody that, um, that maybe Illini fans would uh, recognize? 
Yeah, I, I would say a lot of things he does is like DeMonte Williams, only he's bigger, more athletic, right? Like he does a lot of those kind of things. Now, DeMonte ended up being a pretty good shooter uh, the last couple of years here. I know he's been off and on this year, but he's still you know, over 33%. Um, I, I don't know if he'll be that, but I, I hate throwing up the comps of what these guys became, right? I'm not saying they're right. going to be this uh, long term, but – in the style of play, he reminds me a lot of Draymond Green. Um, I'm not saying he's be a Hall of Famer. I'm just saying Draymond, when he was a freshman sophomore at Michigan State, was a role player, did a lot of little things to help them win, and then eventually kind of turned into this kind of point forward. Uh, I can see Ty Rogers being a point forward. He handles the ball extremely well, can get to the bucket on his own. Uh, he does that really, really well. So I can see him being that kind of player. He also just reminds me physically, um, probably taking people back a little bit, but Physically, he looks like Sean Marion, a uh, former NBA player. Like He just kind of has that kind of build to him. So uh, I just think he's going to be a guy that his first couple of years, like he can play immediately for Illinois as a defender in the rotation, um, You know, kind of does a little bit of everything for you. Uh, and then I think as a, you know upperclassman, I think he can really be an all-Big Ten caliber kind of player. And where do you see him uh, ranked this year among the top players in the state? Is he going to – I know he's a contender for player of the year. Can he win that? Yeah. Yeah, I was talking with Michael O'Brien, Joe Hendrickson uh, from the Sun-Times, and uh, Braden Huff is probably going to be tough to beat. Glenbard West is the best team in the in the state in Class 4A. Uh, he's a Gonzaga recruit. He, he maybe didn't put up the huge numbers um, that you know some player of the years, Mr. Basketballs, do, but uh, he's probably the front runner. Uh, there's also a kid, Nick Martinelli, Glenbrook North, who's actually an Elon recruit, but he's putting up huge numbers for a good team. And then there's Jaden Shute at Yorkville Christian, 118, that's probably going to win state, Duke recruit. Uh, so he could be tough. But I think Ty Rogers had a moment, you know, beating Kenwood the other night, which is one of the most talented teams in the state. Uh, Thornton doing that, I think uh, he had 20 points, 17 rebounds, five blocks, five assists. I, I think that kind of put him more into it. So I don't know if he's going to win because it's a pretty good year in state. But, you know, shooting Huffs actually stayed in state, which is rare. Um, all those kids seem to be leaving the state. But uh, I, I think he's got a chance at it. But he was number 54 prospect in, in the country. Uh, I think we have him the number three or number two prospect uh, in the state ahead of Braden Huff. So the only thing holding him back, guys, from I think being a top 30 prospect is shooting. Uh, otherwise, I think he'd be a top 30 prospect. Okay. Uh, state tournament coming up. Uh, who, do, who are your favorites in, in, the, in the top divisions? Well, I just saw Glen, uh, Glenbard West just defeated Simeon, the number one team in 3A, by about – 28 points last night, so I, oh, really? I think Glenbard West is a heavy favorite to uh, to win Class 4A. I think Yorkville Christian, uh, I don't think anybody can, uh, you know, size up to them uh, in Class 1A. Class 3A is going to be really interesting. I think that one's pretty wide open. I think Thornton and Ty Rogers are a team to watch there, um, and, and uh, Simeon's really, really good. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun, Lauren. Uh, I, I think you got really 4A and 1A heavy favorites in those divisions, but um, 3A could be the one where it's kind of up for grabs. And it'd be interesting to see if Ty Rogers, you know, the one year he plays in the state, can he end his high school career where he's going to start his college career? I think that'd be pretty cool at State Farm Center. Let's go to college basketball. Today's game at Michigan State. The Illini have lost four straight at the Breslin Center, and both teams kind of in similar positions as far as uh, getting their mojo back. What do you uh, got any idea what you're going to see today? Yes, Steve. Uh, apparently, according to Brad Underwood, it's going to be a pizza parking lot. Park. Right, right. <laughs> hearing from him. Um, yeah, I think it's two teams that are desperate for a win if they want to stay in this Big Ten title race. And 
heard Piper say this yesterday when he was doing a radio hit in our car. It's, if uh, Illinois loses and Purdue loses today, can we look at a, a Big Ten where we have a share with five or six champions in this thing? Like, this is how, how close it is. But Michigan State, Tom Izzo didn't even let his players speak with the media after a loss to Penn State, which he rarely, rarely does. Uh, and they just got out tough there. Now, Penn State's the worst team than Rutgers, but Illinois – had the same thing happen to them uh, on the East Coast. So something about Big Ten title contenders going out in the East Coast. But, yeah, I think both these coaches have very similar styles of play, what they want to do. I think both these teams are probably two of the more well-rounded teams in the Big Ten when it comes to offense, defense. They're both pretty good. Um, but I think Illinois is more talented. Uh, but Michigan State's probably a little bit deeper. They're bigger. And you know every time you go into Breslin in front of that crowd, uh, th- th- these teams are going to get after it. And I think uh, Michigan State's going to make a point of bring, coming out with a lot of energy and physicality, and, and Illinois is certainly going to have to match that. And, and then it just comes down, guys, to, you know, we talk about the toughness energy. Illinois needs to make some shots. Um, <laughs> they just need their best players to play better and, and score more. And, you know, Alfonso Plummer, I'm not too concerned about him, but Jacob Grandison's kind of in this prolonged slump. Uh, Trent Frazier hasn't really scored that much outside of the Indiana game over the last couple weeks. Uh, and then, you know, Demonte Williams needs to give you some kind of lift offensively. Otherwise, does Brad Underwood look to, to change things up? Does he go with more R.J. Melendez minutes? Does Coleman Hawkins, you know, get a little bit more playing time? Even though, you know, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice sometimes with Coleman. He did give you energy uh, against Rutgers. So that's what I'm interested to see. But certainly, certainly going to be uh, a game Illinois has got to put the shoulder pads on and be ready to fight. Well, it was certainly a fiery uh, press conference uh, yesterday with uh, with Underwood, and and uh, I was interested that he brought in. He, he said that energy le- leads to stronger energy leads to better shooting. Uh, something like that. It, it, did you do you uh, follow that uh, thinking? Well, I'm not a good shooter, so I asked a good shooter that question. <laughs> I asked uh, Michael Tulip about that. I asked him like, you know, shooting slumps. What is it? And he said a lot of it's confidence and. Um, yeah. You know, like I, I think with Brad Underwood, I think what he's getting to is you got to have positive energy that that shot is going to go in. And I would actually like the shots Jacob Grandison's taking uh, most of them, but there's some shots he's passing up. Demonte Williams is passing up some shots that they need to take. And if you don't think that shot's going to go in, uh, it's probably less likely to go in. I mean, you know, yes, shooters that, and that's what they would say. So that's what I like about Alfonso Plummer. You know, you're going to get confidence out of him, but. Uh, I'd also like to see, you know, Trent Frazier a little bit more aggressive, uh, you know, at times. Like, he can create his own shot. He's a senior leader. And at some point, they just need somebody to to go get a bucket. And he's one of those guys that can do that. So, I'm not concerned, about again, about Plummer because he, he's always confident. But those other guys, it does seem like their confidence is rattled a little bit. And that's what kind of stands out right now about R.J. Melendez. He's got so much confidence uh, for a freshman uh, when he's shooting the ball right now. You know, you mentioned Grandison, and Illinois was on the Ofer run on three-point shots, and then Grandison made one, and then right after that passed up two more that uh, yep. that were open. You would think, okay, uh, he saw one go in. There, maybe that's a little confidence boost, but it apparently didn't work he, that way. He didn't hear me yell, shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> when he's open, I said, shoot it. Well, you weren't the only one, one yelling, it, that's for sure. The whole state of Illinois was yelling it. Well, Steve, it felt like the difference – between that game and the Indiana game was the Grandison hit the second one, shot right. the second one against Indiana. They make that, changes the game. It's 33-27. If Grandison shoots that and makes it, it does feel like that game would have been a heck of a lot different after that. So I agree. I mean, you've got to keep shooting those. But you also, when you're 0 for 13 in the first half and Kofi is uh, unguardable right, for, for Rutgers, 
There's times you got to get him the ball too. But um, this is also where they just miss a guy that can get to the rim and score. Like, you know, Trent had a layup and, and Alfonso Plummer had a few takes. They just don't have the guy consistently that can do that or guys get free throws and make free throws. Like, that's where they're missing Ayo DeSumo. And to be honest with you, that's where they're missing Andre Corbello being Andre Corbello. Uh, and that's, that's what's going to be interesting. Like, do you, do you, he hasn't been able to work through some of his mistakes this year uh, due to all his injuries and he just hasn't been the same kind of player. So that's still an X factor, but you just don't, you wonder if you're actually going to get that this year, some consistent playmaking uh, game to game out of Andre Corbelli. You just like to see him have a couple good games back to back. You know, uh, we talked to Bill Rafter the other day and, and um, he, I would ask him about how you defend Illinois. And he said, you change. You don't do the same thing all the time. I think that's probably accurate. I mean, I think you, you might double, Kofi some in this game, but I think basically Izzo would prefer not to, and he can throw three big, rough guys at Kofi and not worry about the fouls. I know he would rather have Bingham in there, and he'll probably have Bingham in for 25 minutes, but nevertheless, uh, he can throw people at Kofi, and we basically aren't really good at throwing uh, multiple centers at the other team. So I, I'm just wondering, you know, do you see that as, as a, a strategy that Izzo will use? Yeah, I mean, Michigan State certainly can go uh, deep. I mean, that's that's what I think the strength of their team is, is their depth. They, like, lack a go-to guy. Uh, sometimes I wonder if those guys know how, what role they're supposed to play, like who's supposed to get the ball in these moments. Um, but, yeah, they, they can throw a lot of bodies at Kofi Coburn. I still think, even if it's Marcus Bingham, I'm, I'm intrigued by this matchup because Bingham's so long, athletic, similar to Christian Coloco. Uh, and he can he can block some Kofi shots, but he's he's just uh, he's stringy compared to Kofi. So I still think one on one, if Kofi's patient, you know, uses shot fakes, uses moves, he can still dominate. So I still think it's a good thing when teams go one on one against Kofi Coburn. But that's where it becomes harder for everyone else to get space. Like Alfonso Plummer, they really try to shut down, and that's again where a guy like Andre Corbello becomes so important because he can break everything down by himself, get to the lane whenever he wants. It's just he's got to make the right decisions. Uh, and sometimes he's had a good start to the last couple of games where, you know, he gets his teammates involved, but then he kind of, you know, uh, hunts his own shot maybe a little bit too much. So that's going to be, uh, I think, a huge key, uh, Lauren, to, to fight that because a lot of those other shooters can't get open by themselves. They rely on Kofi and double teams to get that. Um, Andre Corbello certainly can get them open. So that's why I still think he's so important to this team, even if he's really frustrating to watch right now. Jeremy, uh, Max Christie was the big uh, News Gazette Player of the Year last year, and he's having a bumpy year. He's had three games where he just scored two points, um, and he—I don't think he's been very consistent. I don't, I don't, I'm sure they're counting on him heavily. What do you? How, how do you judge how uh, Max Christie has developed so far for Michigan State? Yeah, I think Max Christie's a really good player. I just don't think he's quite ready to be the star that they needed him to be. Um, he, he's a guy that I think can elevate them offensively to another level, but I just don't think he's, he's quite ready for that. I think he's more of a spot-up shooter right now than a guy who can break somebody off the dribble. And you know, Trent Frazier completely shut him down uh, in Champaign, so I would imagine that's going to be the assignment today. I, I think he's a guy that if he returns for a sophomore year, Lauren, I think he can be one of those guys who leaps from a second-round guy to top 20, maybe lottery pick. Uh, he's really, really good. He's big, he's athletic, um, really skilled. But uh, I just don't think, you know, some of these freshmen aren't ready right away. Caleb Houston's going through the same thing. And, um, you know, Moose Diabate had a huge game the other night, but 
sometimes those guys just aren't you know physically mentally ready to to make huge impacts but can take huge leaps as, as sophomore so he's still a really good player and you can't let him get confident today because if he's making shots they become a lot more difficult to guard with uh, all their shooters and I think a key today is is keeping them out of transition because right? they're not very good in the front, in the half court uh, but they get in transition guys like Christie and can hit open shots, and Gabe Brown certainly can finish at the rim. Let's take a quick call for Jeremy Warner. John and Champagne, you're on the air. Go ahead. John, go ahead. Uh, hello. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize who, it was, who I was talking to there. Uh, the guy that uh, I am wanting to know about is in the future. The young man from Baylor that transferred from here. I haven't talked to anyone that's gotten a chance to see how what he does at all in practices, or uh, he's not. Dane Danger, well, Jeremy. Yeah, okay. yeah, Dane Danger. We haven't been able to see yet. Um, so he's. Uh, I think it's a great thing that he's sitting out this year, and Brad Underwood loves that. Uh, he's got to get his body into tip-top shape. Uh, didn't barely play at Baylor because uh, he's had some injuries and then transferred after just a, a couple games and. Of course, Baylor's pretty dang good, so he wasn't able to get on the floor. But he saw winning culture there. He saw what kind of work he needed to put in. And I don't think Brad Underwood takes him if Scott Drew doesn't say some some decent good things about him. Uh, but he certainly is intriguing. I know Derek Piper saw him on the recruiting trail and, and loved his potential. He's just a big body, really, really skilled um, I don't know if someday you hope he can be like a Trevion Williams kind of player, uh, but you hope he can be a nice complement to what Omar Payne is. Um, you know, there's always the, the potential that Kofi Coburn could come back and make a lot of money in the senior year of college, but, you know, Dane Danger and Omar Payne are kind of like exact opposites uh, as post players. So Omar gives you that rim runner, rim protector, and they hope Dane Danger can kind of be that skilled guy, get you a bucket, you know, pass out of the post maybe hit some shots eventually uh, from 15 to 20 feet. So um, there's a lot of skill there. There's a lot of potential there. Just haven't seen it on a court yet. John, thanks for the call. Jeremy, thanks for your time. Uh, enjoy the ball game. We appreciate your coverage and uh, taking time with us. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. You too. Jeremy Warner from Illini Inquirer with us from East Lansing. 8.50 is the time. We'll take a break and be back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. It is 8.53. Illini Pella, Saturday Sports Talk until 9. Fighting Illini game day at 9. The head of Illinois basketball at 11. A lot going on today. We'll talk more Illinois basketball once we get into uh, game day. We'll hear from Brad Underwood and Chester uh, Frazier in the uh, coach's corner. Also uh, Trent Frazier, uh, Michael Tulip will join us. We'll have Mike Pearson's This Day in Illini Basketball History coming up as well in our game day coverage at 9 o'clock with yours truly and Lauren B. Tate. Sounds like um, some news this week that uh, NBC might be interested in uh, kicking the tires of the Big Ten television. Well, it's just going to be a battle royal between CBS, NBC, ESPN, and Fox. And when you have competition, Steve, for uh, a position, it runs the money up and... Illinois is going to be a, um, I just say Big Ten, first of all, is going to make more money than they've ever made, uh, and, and they will be distributing more than, within two years, I would say Illinois, I, I, I know people are going to react to this, but Illinois, I, Illinois got about $54 um, million the last mm-hmm. time. I'd say it's going to get jumped by 20 Right. 
I'm, I'm, they're talking about over seventy million within a couple of years. Now we got another year on this contract, but they're negotiating the new contract right now. We got one more school year, and then we're going to go into a new contract that could have. And and you've got the Big Ten Network, which is a separate operation in which they're they're doing very well. But uh, if you throw Fox, NBC, CBS, and ESPN into a, a battle for you know, for the the slots, and by the way, NBC is is uh, ridding itself of um, of a National Hockey League, which means they got slots to fill, mm-hmm. and CBS has uh, only got what one more year with the uh, with uh, the SEC. One or am I wrong? One more or two more? I, I'm, I'm not sure about that. I think maybe, one. But... Maybe yeah, maybe another year or two with uh, SEC, and then then that goes over to Disney, and and I I just think that. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, more money than they ever could imagine. They're, they're estimating it'll be over a billion-dollar deal. Right. So With a B. With a B. For the Big Ten, that is. Not Illinois. That's right. for the Big Ten. And yeah. When you start dividing that up, it's going to come out to around 70-some million for Illinois if everything is if proceeds as we expect. I, we don't have another pandemic. We don't have another, you know, something that would— uh, disrupt that but right now you've got networks that are desirous of filling their slots with and by the way the big 12 has just fallen out of competition because they know they're going to be losing oklahoma and texas and and you can add byu and you can add southern florida and you can add houston that's all that's all that's all going to happen we understand that but the fact that that the big 12 is not really competitive and nor is the acc really competitive uh, uh, throughout the, the conference for football. So Big Ten is in a great position here, and they're negotiating right now. I just wish they had Delaney still doing the negotiating because he's so much smarter than everybody else. <laughs> and the fact that he uh, kept this contract, uh, he, he's timed the contract so that it falls at a perfect position to negotiate and, and not to have to no- negotiate against the SEC. Well, maybe they could call him out of retirement to help uh, negotiate. Well, that. he is a consultant, right. and I'd have him consulting. I would too. But uh, you know that there may be a different feeling about the commissioner of the Big Ten. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he didn't want any any part of uh, of Delaney anymore. Maybe he could help uh, while he's just sitting around. Maybe he could help Major League Baseball figure what well, figure out he, their deal. You know, the thing about Delaney was when he was in there, he he had things up going. He he thought ahead, Steve. He he would he would be thinking two or three years ahead, and that's what made him so effective. We'll take our final break and be back with Fighting an Online Game Day after this. Stay with us right here on DWS.